Welcome to The Table. You are listening to the Kingstown Communion podcast with lead pastor Michelle Matthews. The Kingstown Communion is a new United Methodist church existing to gather people into communion with Jesus Christ through courageous conversation, creative community, and collaborating for the common good. We worship at Island Creek Elementary School, 7855 Morning View Lane, every Sunday at 10 a.m. For more information about upcoming events and opportunities to serve, visit our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Kingstown Communion. We're glad that you're listening along with us. If you live close by, we hope you'll join us for worship in person. And if you ever feel so inclined to help us by giving financially, you can do so on our website, kingstowncommunion.net. Very truly I tell you, 
the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. And in fact, will do greater works than these. Because I am going to the Father, I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you and he will be with you. I have said these things to you while I am still with you. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not let them be afraid. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Amen. So we've been working our way through a sermon series uh, defining our terms, and today we come to this term, spirit-filled. Um, I, and I would like to play a little word association here, just like, humor me, okay, play a little word association. When you think of spirit-filled, what do you think of? Pentecostals. Pentecostals, all right, well, good. Today's Pentecost. We are not Pentecostals, or we all are, maybe. Hmm. <laughs> now, um, so Pentecostals, all right, spirit-filled, what do, comes to mind? Word association. Speaking in tongues, good, perfect. Spirit-filled, speaking in tongues, Pentecostals. What else comes to mind when you hear spirit-filled? Cheerleaders. Cheerleaders, oh yeah, that's good. Cheerleaders, that's good, Ecstasy. good. Any other words? Ecstasy. What'd you say? Ecstasy. Ecstasy? Yes. Ah, yes, all right. Well, we're getting um, like, like, like drug? It's like, no? Okay. Like, true, okay. Um, all right. So we have Pentecostals and ecstasy and, uh, and, and, uh, and cheerleaders and, and speaking in tongues. When I think of the word spirit-filled, um, I, actually, in order to know this word well, you're going to need to drive down 95 for a little while, get on to 85. Um, once you're on 85, drive towards uh, Burlington, North Carolina. But before you get to Burlington, get off the exit for Graham. Um, at, are y'all, why aren't you writing this down? <laughs> so like you, on 85, you get off the exit for Graham, North Carolina. And once you get off, you're gonna drive about another four miles down that road. And then you're gonna turn onto Snow Camp Road. And you're gonna drive another eight miles down Snow Camp Road. And on the left-hand side, you're gonna find Snow Camp United Methodist Church. And if you walked into Snow Camp United Methodist Church um, and you just said, I want to speak to Mr. R.L. If you met Mr. R.L., that is my definition of spirit-filled. I've never seen this word defined so well, but in Mr. R.L. But the thing is, Mr. R.L. does not wear his faith on his sleeve. He does not, he's not super showy with his faith. He doesn't quote scripture to you. He never has spoken in tongues. And that is a, 
because it's Methodist church, let's be honest. <laughs> never spoken in tongues. And honestly, when you're in conversations with Mr. R.L., he just kind of talks very softly under, under his breath. It's hard to actually understand him sometimes. But for me, Mr. R.L. is the definition of spirit-filled. He doesn't speak in tongues. He doesn't raise his hands. He doesn't quote scripture at you. But what Mr. R.L. does is every single day he wakes up and he walks his land. He walks his farm, which is different from other farmers in town because of the machinery. They don't, they don't got to walk their farms anymore. Machines do it for them. But Mr. R.L. refuses to let the machines do it for him. He gets up every morning and he walks his farm. He walks be, between the rows of corn, which about this time of year would be about like shin high. Um, and every time I went to visit him on Sunday, he didn't do what everybody else did which was set out a meal for me. And you know, like they think you always need to eat. They fatten you up that summer for sure. But everybody else sets out a meal. Instead, Mr. RL would say, go for a walk. He'd say, let's go for a walk. And we would talk as we walked up and down the rows of corn. And he would tell me his story. And the first time I met Mr. RL, I asked him the question you always ask everybody when you first meet them, which was, what do you do for a living? And he said, well, the IRS would say I'm a farmer. But I like to think, I like to think that I'm working with God to create life. That was the way he narrated work in the farm, was I was working with God to create life. Everything he, he said, everything he did on that farm was to work with God to create life. So much so that it was like he tilled the ground with his feet. It, I mean, like, he knew by the way that the, the ground fell whether it was going to be a good year for crops or not. He could look at the leaves on the plant, and he knew whether there was going to be um, some kind of disease forming on them. He knew when he saw a burrow in the ground, he knew whether or not that was a friendly animal or whether or not that was something he needed to take care of because it was going to eat up his crops. And so he said, I'd like to think I work with God to make life. So this word spirit-filled, we can use all kinds of other words to describe it, but really what we have done here today, what you have watched happen in the lives of compromands, what they wrote about in their, in their essays about who God is in their life and what it means to be a part of the church, all of that is them learning how God is working with them to create life. It's their calling, it's their vocation. Whatever that is, whether it's for Dollier going off into um, to the Coast Guard Academy or whether it is for someone else in our group maybe being called into ministry one day. Maybe it's that, but whatever it is, it's working with God to create life. And I wonder if you ever narrate your vocation in that way. I have someone that I would like you to hear from today. I'm, gonna, I'm done preaching. Um, somebody in our congregation who has um, figured out what it looks like for her anew to narrate um, this spirit-filled life, to be filled with the spirit, and then to work with God to create life. And so I'm going to invite forward Alyssa. Alyssa's going to share her testimony today with us. Um, for those of you who, um, who don't know, Alyssa has since to call into ministry. And she is, I, we just this past week approved her to be a certified candidate in the United Methodist Church, which means she officially is beginning this process and she is um, blessed by our congregation and sent forth to begin that process. And so 
Alyssa's going to tell you her story and how she has been filled with the Spirit by working with God to create life. Y'all, I have only been spoken by, to, by God three times in my life. The first time I was a senior in college and he told me to apply to the Peace Corps. The second time he told me to apply for a job. As most of you all know, as Christian messes with my back here, as most of you all know, there it is, as most of you all know, my husband is in the military. He joined after we were married, and our first military move took us from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania to Fort Sill, Oklahoma. Now, for the average person, I hear the tethers out there, for the average person, a move to middle of nowhere, Oklahoma, might seem a little bit like maybe a punishment. But for me, it was like going home. I'm from Texas, and this move meant that for the first time in 13 years, I was within a three-hour drive of my family. I thrived personally and professionally in Oklahoma, and so did John. His leadership at Fort Sill poured into him in a way that does not often happen with an E-4 in the United States Army. He did so well that just, after, just a year and a half after our move to Oklahoma, we were looking at a move back to the East Coast. I fought this move so hard. I did not want to go back to the 95 corridor and the traffic. I did not want to go back to the snow and the cold. I did not want to go back with a new baby and be so far from my family. I knew I would be unemployed. I knew I would hate living in Northern Virginia. I knew I would be all alone with a new baby boy. But when the Secretary of Defense tells your husband he wants him to come cook for him, you do not say no. And so that's how we ended up back here in the D.C. area with a six-month-old Keegan. For the first time in my adult life, I was unemployed, and I'm the kind of person who needs to work. So I looked for jobs, and I vaguely remember seeing at some point there was this place called the Kingstown Communion, and they were hiring for something called a children's director. I saw it, I looked at it briefly, and I moved on because I was not qualified for that position. Instead, I, I cobbled together a lot of volunteer work and some part-time jobs that allowed me to stay home with my son. And we did really well here in Virginia. I put down some roots and I realized that maybe I didn't hate Virginia nearly as much as I thought I should. <laughs> so about two years after we moved here, we decided to jump into our final embryo transfer and I went to Dallas because you see, George Strait, he might sing that all his exes live in Texas, but all my embryos actually lived in Dallas. <laughs> so I went home to start that process. While I was there, one day I was mindlessly scrolling on Facebook because that's the only way to do it. And I saw that once again, the Kingstown Communion was hiring a children's director. This time, with no uncertain terms, God told me to apply. 
I hemmed and I hawed about it for about a day, and then I finally sent off my resume and my cover letter to Michelle. I still felt unqualified. But for some reason, the hiring committee decided they wanted to interview me. And so there I was, sitting in my mom's bedroom in Allen, Texas, because it was the quietest room in her house. And there they were, in the cafe at Wegmans across the street from here. And it was one of those conversations that despite all the technical issues and connectivity problems that we had, it was a conversation where you knew something really neat was happening. And I knew I had this job. Sure enough, you all did offer me this position of family, the director of family ministry, and I came on board to the Kingstown Communion in July of 2017. My time here at Kingstown has been an incredible blessing. Church planting is exhilarating, y'all. Community building, it's, it's soul fulfilling. And this opportunity I have to walk alongside our kids and our families as they explore their relationships with each other and their relationship with this incredible being that we call our God, well, that's work that makes my soul sing in, in ways that I will never be able to fully articulate into words. During my time here, some of you have come up to me and asked me, Alyssa, have you ever thought about going into ministry? Or some of you are much more pointed in your questions and you say, Alyssa, you should go into ministry. But no matter who talks to me, I have the exact same response. I couldn't possibly go into ministry. My husband is in the military. It just wouldn't work. So last year, the Kingstown Communion had some dollars in the budget, Melissa, for professional staff development. Brett, I think, took some voice lessons, and I, when Michelle came to me and asked if there were workshops or, or conferences that I wanted to attend, I knew what I wanted to do. I told her, nope. I want to become a certified lay speaker. You see, the United Methodist Church has these incredible opportunities for laity to receive training on how to take on leadership roles in their church communities. So when, uh, a few years ago, I was attending Creekwood UMC in Fairview, Texas, and my friend David brought in a certified lay speaker. And while she was giving the sermon, I watched her and I said, huh, that's something I could do. And so it became this kind of bucket list thing for me. And, and so when Michelle came to me, I knew exactly what I wanted, and I told her I'm an eight, right? <laughs> so last fall, I attended Lay Servant Academy down in Roanoke, and I took my first basic course. And while I was there, I learned that there was so much more that I didn't even know about, including this thing called a certified lay minister here was this opportunity for me to jump into ministry without actually having to do any of the work you usually have to do to jump into <laughs> ministry, like that seminary thing. And so on my way back from Roanoke, I prayed about it, and I asked God, what should I do? And he told me, go deeper. So I thought, ah, that's a green light to jump into the CLM certification. So I came back, I told Michelle all about it. We struggled to figure out what it meant and what it would look like, but that became my plan. 
And then everything changed. John, as a military chef, takes leave every fall, and he goes down to Dallas to work with the Robert Irvine Foundation to put on Skyball. Skyball is American Airlines' huge fundraiser where they raise money for vet wounded veteran programs, like the assistance program for survivors. It's a really incredible thing. It takes three days and encompasses a, a barbecue, a concert, and a $1,000 a plate dinner. The money that they raise at this event goes to organizations and programs that John and I feel so strongly about. So last year, when we found out that Skyball was going to fall on the exact same weekend as Kingstown's first women's conference, we talked about it, and we decided he should still go. So John went to Dallas to cook, and I stayed here to help put on our women's conference. And what an amazing conference it was, right? I mean, we brought in some amazing speakers and some fantastic musicians, one of which who has never seen me do this normal Sunday rigmarole, this thing I do where I act really crazy, Xander, and you all have come to expect that craziness and maybe even kind of like it just a little bit, mate. And so I, she comes up to me at, at some point in the middle of the, of the conference and she says, Alyssa, have you ever thought about going into ministry? And I said, Chelsea, I couldn't possibly go into ministry. My husband is in the military. It just wouldn't work. She pushed harder, which is something most people don't do, but still my refrain stayed the same. It just wouldn't work. So John comes home that Sunday evening, and he is positively ebullient. Those of you who know my husband would be hard-pressed to ever <laughs> describe him as bubbly. But there he was, bubbly. You see, while John was in Dallas, Robert Irvine offered him a job. He told me this, expecting me to be thrilled, to be excited for this opportunity, and instead, I met it with horrified anger. How dare he? How dare he think about getting out of the army? We have health care. We have housing. He is a year away from being able to split his GI Bill so our children can go to college and not be saddled with student loan debt. How dare he? For the last six years, my entire identity has been tied up with being a military spouse, and he was going to take that away from me. How dare he? The next day as I was driving around raging and fuming and trying to unpack how he could even possibly kind of think this was even possibly kind of a good idea, it hit me. You see, sometimes God speaks to us directly, but most of the time, God speaks to us through other people. God told me to go deeper, and for the last year and a half, I had been using my husband's career as a reason for why I could not do that. God told me to go deeper, and I was the one putting boundaries on what that meant. God told me to go deeper, so while my husband was in Dallas, God was removing the boundaries that I had been using as an excuse. You see, sometimes when God tells you to do a thing and you keep telling him no over and over and over again, he has no other choice 
but to swallow you up in the belly of a giant fish until you're ready to submit to his will. Luckily for me, it didn't take the three days it took Jonah. Because you see, while I might be stubborn, I am at least wise enough to realize that my God is far more stubborn than I could ever be. God told me to go deeper, so I submitted to his will. I answered his call. God told me to go deeper. This is me choosing to go. Alyssa. You're not going to make me wet, right? Here's my hair. I've only one, one baptism, yeah. Michelle. Okay. We recognize one baptism. I didn't tell her I was doing this. No, you didn't. Um, so in our scripture today, it said, uh, it's funny, two things go, two things mesh together in our scripture today. You have this, this story with Philip where Philip is saying, uh, Jesus, show us the Father. And Jesus is like, I've been showing you the Father all the time all along, right? I've been showing you all, all along the Father. And so Alyssa says, show me the Father. Um, I'm going to see the Father and being a lay speaker. Show me the Father. Oh, I'm going to get this lay minister thing under control until she sat across from me and Wegmans, like in this massive, I've seen the Father. All of this all along. All of this all along. God's spirit filling me. All of it. Every moment of my life. All these little steps along the way was leading you right here. Would you all join me as I pray for Alyssa as we send her into this, this crazy call that is ahead of her? Let's pray. God, thank you for, um, I mean, I'm just going to give the pulpit away now, so I don't really know. Um, thank you for bringing somebody in the room who already has all the gifts. Uh, I really don't exactly know what a preaching class will teach her. Um, except to undergird her with deeper theology and a better knowledge of how to work with scripture. Um, but that is going to be a gift to her. It's going to be hard, and it's going to deconstruct her faith, and um, she's going to piece it back together, and that is really good work. We're thankful that you are leading her on this journey to seminary where we will lose her, and that makes me sad. I don't want to think about that. Um, but how much of a gift she will one day be to the church. Thank you for that gift. Thank you for her willingness to enter into ministry at such a time as this in the Methodist Church. That is, that's a bold move. Some would call it other things. I call that a bold move. That she believes in this God so much. And she believes in the Spirit's work in her and through the life of Methodist churches that are enlivened by a Wesleyan theology that is the best gift we could give the world, this robust, inclusive grace. And she sees it, and she can see the bigger picture of the church, and she's not afraid of that. Thank you, God. Pour out your Holy Spirit on her today and in the weeks ahead as she begins this call, as she begins this journey. May her life be truly an example to all those she meets because she's already making disciples left and right. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Alyssa, may the Holy Spirit work within you, that being born of water and the Spirit, you may be a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. <laughs> Maybe teachers now. <laughs> um, that's going to be our prayer today. Would you join me in that prayer that Jesus already taught us to pray? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Holy Spirit, guide my vision, help me see the way you see. Always Jesus, ever Jesus, Christ in all us, Christ in me. Holy Spirit, guide my speaking, words of grace and truth abound. Let my lips be filled with stories of the mercy that I found. You're the